Welcome to the War is Everything podcast, where we share scripture, discuss the Christian metal scene and music, and help promote lesser-known bands. I'm Zachariah. And I'm Hunter. And we are your hosts. Today's scripture comes from Psalm 23, and it's the first four verses, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I regret picking that translation, because that was so <laughs> weird reading it. And, you know, I'm so used to saying it in the, was it the ESV or whatever the other one is. No idea. Even the KJV. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> that's our scripture for today. And uh, yeah, another podcast episode of The War Is Everything. And uh, we have on this week, Colton Reed. So welcome. Hello, thanks for having me on. Yeah, on, honestly, I think you were one of the first handful of musicians that I personally had like connected with as uh, as we started in the Blue Fire Horizon thing. So uh, finally having you on is it's interesting. It's like why didn't I think to ask him on myself? But that's all right. So I, I think a lot of the reason is because I see people posting on Facebook or interacting like, oh, we gotta you know have them on at some point, and then Colton's over here like, eh, Facebook. Yeah, that's for all you losers. <laughs> Yeah, I, I avoid Facebook if I can, but it's kind of one of the essential evils that you need as a musician. Yeah, at least to manage a, a Facebook page or, you know, band page, whatever. So, yeah, unfortunately, we'll be praying for you. <laughs> so. Ditto. Thank you. <laughs> so you just released the uh, your debut album. You had a couple singles before releasing it, but... Uh, uh, it was just self-titled, right? That's right. Yeah. Self-titled buried above came out December 17th of last year. And it had one single dominantly that was preceding it called the nation's fall. We had Josh Bramlett from the protest on that. Nice. So as far as the, the writing and recording, as far as I know, it's pretty much a one man project, right? Yes. Yeah. I know Josiah Prince was at least heavily involved, correct? Yes, so Josiah Prince and Andrew Stanton were co-writers on this as well, and they also took 50-50 on producing the album, and Josiah did all of the mixing and mastering for it. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say, because I listened, anytime we have a, a guest on, I always make sure to go and listen to at least most of their dis- discography, so I familiarize myself a little bit and i had heard a couple of your songs before but hadn't taken the time to like actually listen through the whole album you know and i'm like very disciple sounding like <laughs> you know you can tell obviously it's not the same band or anything but there's some of the the aspects that feel very similar and stuff and i assume it's probably because of the the co-writing with those two and the mixing and mastering for sure. Yeah. Josiah was also my songwriting teacher. He still is on occasion, but he's his, one of the things that he does the most is that he wants to take your song ideas. And if it sounds a little bit too much like something else, he's good at kind of steering it away from that. So you can still get some of the inspirations, but it's still its own thing. Nice. I know. Uh, what was it? The Reclaim the Day the song was it chokehold or, or there was another song that we talked about and i know andrew stanton helped or works with them 
specifically mm-hmm. in producing their stuff. And uh, I, I'm assuming Josiah does as well. But I remember listening to the song. I was like, wow, that sounds like an Andrew Stanton solo. And, and then I go to find out, <laughs> like, oh, that would be why, because it was him. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jos- Andrew also did a guitar solo on our album, too. Nice. Which song was that for? He did the solo for the front lines. The front lines. All right. I did not get the chance to listen like Zachariah did. I was focused today on some of our stuff because we're taking forever to get our own things out. So decided to actually put time in. So I didn't get to listen to all the stuff from the the self-titled. But uh, from what I did, I absolutely enjoyed it. It was refreshing to hear some phenomenal vocals that I was not expecting, by the way. Oh, thank you. So... I was about to make some sort of a dig, but my brain didn't like work to formulate an idea of how to insult him without being too mean or anything. <laughs> People don't care how mean it is. It's us. It's not like we're insulting Colton or anything. So I wouldn't care if he did. <laughs> <laughs> so with uh with the project, how long has uh, Buried Above been a thing? Uh, the very first song, I think, came out in 2018, so the entire album has been a long time coming. Okay. Yeah, I saw the updates as you were like getting through all of it. It sounded like, I don't want to say that there were roadblocks, but it at least sounded like there was something you know here and there, maybe many different things that really got in the way. Like, Was there anything specifically, or was it just kind of a bunch of little things? Mostly... It, so the first time I went to Nashville, because I recorded this album in three different three different rounds. The first time I went there, I just recorded Blood. And then the second time I went there, I recorded three more songs. And then la- not last year, but the year before that, I went and did the last five. Mm-hmm. And it just worked out. Was it writing or was it just uh, things weren't coming together as easily as you wanted it to for the entire project? I think it all came together pretty well as far as like wanting things to get done goes. But I think if there was anything I could say was something that held me back was that since I'm the only person that's currently in the project, I had to fund it all completely myself. That's yeah, that's what I thought it was going to be. And I, you know, that's not on a, like, uh, I don't know, not trying to like showcase the, uh, the lack of funds of people. But when you're a one man band, if you're not your self producer, then it's also, I mean, you also have to consider the fact that it's Andrew Stanton and Josiah Prince. Like you're not, these guys aren't, aren't cheap. And I don't mean that in a, like, you know, they're trying to nickel and dime you or anything, but uh, they're worth their money. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Funds are always a, a fun thing to talk about. We love talking about money here because it's, it's always a very charged, uh, topic because we we feel very strongly about it and obviously ministries need money to function Mm -hmm. so and this is no different yeah i I definitely we definitely get it um right now we're in the middle of trying to finish up an album of our own and just trying to raise funds and stuff and it's it's tough with four of us trying to put money into it and raise funds for it and stuff i can't imagine trying to fund an entire thing by myself (laughs) yeah you know, I would say the first two trips were a lot easier to save up for. The sec- the last trip that I did was like on the back half of it, I didn't have nearly as much money I was able to save because the second I got back from that two week trip, I got engaged. Oh, well, congrats. So, well, thank you. We've been married almost a year. 
I feel like I would have seen that on Facebook then. How I, did I not know that? I knew this. I saw all of it happen. I I'm mean, happy for you, my friend, who I apparently know better than <laughs> Hunter knows. Thanks. Yeah. I just apparently don't care about people. Yeah. I work at a church and I'm in a Christian band. I just don't care about people. That's all. So. Hey, I'm an introvert. I get it. <laughs> so walk us through the uh, the musical history of Colton Reed. You know, where did you get your start, your inspirations, that kind of thing, whatever you want to share and talk because people hear us talk way too much. So now they get to hear you talk. Right. So let's see. As far as like being a music fan goes, I would say I got a big kickstart into music around 2010 or so, probably around there. Maybe 2013 was when my family started going to our church. I had gone there before when I was with my grandparents, but my parents came to that church and our youth pastor slash worship leader invited us to go to uh Roadshow with uh, Third Day and Skillet. So I was a big Skillet fan for that small portion of time. And then I went to Winter Jam with that same church and found Disciple. And Disciple, I thought, was way better. <laughs> <laughs> and Skillet, I still think that they're better. Skillet will always have a special place in my heart, though, along with Disciple, because I always say I had like a very straight line progression because I'm a a deathcore guy. I, the heavier the better. Just give give me stuff that you can't understand any of, and I'll be happy. But like, I had such a straight line progression of like, skillet, then disciple, who's a little bit heavier, then like demon hunter, who's a little bit heavier, and then Memphis Mayfire, who's a little bit heavier, and it just kept going. So like, I will agree with you. I definitely like disciple better than skillet. But like skill will always have that special little place in my heart as like the band that introduced me to heavier music. I think I would say Skillet was my first favorite band, and then Disciples the one that's been my favorite for the longest after that. Because it's been almost it's been almost ten years that Disciples has been my favorite. Okay, so what is the heaviest music you will listen to though? Uh, I would say maybe around Fit for a King's style of aggression. This okay. is probably where I draw it. <laughs> those that that's those are rookie numbers. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, so getting your start in making your own music. So obviously, you know, you're working with the guys from Disciples, so that's a clear influence in like what you listen to and what you like, but getting your start in writing your own music and creating your music. That probably started around 2016 or 17. That was when I'd started going to community college, which it was good for one thing, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's when I was in like music theory classes and sort of learning how to build sort of song structures, like as far as like technical stuff goes, because you can make a song go however you want. It's just a matter of what's going to sound really good to most people is what where music theory comes into play. This All is right. true. So have you been in any other projects then, or is it just this for you? I was in a local group called Site Received for a while. Shout out to Site Received. They're still doing stuff. Were you I played the lead, guitar lead for vocalist? them. Oh, guitar. I was not. I did, some, I did some background vocals and some guitar for them. That's nice. Cool. I plan on starting my own band soon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> Shh, don't tell Zachariah. That's okay. I already have your replacement picked out. Oh, so good. It's fine. <laughs> no, it, it's interesting to see how many people are a part of other projects. Granted, I was never part of anything even relatively in the scene, but I was definitely a part of other bands. And I still, I guess, technically am, even though it's more of a cover band, but we have some original stuff in that group too. But it's uh, more of the, the pop and, and stuff. Mm. Yeah. But it's it's very different worlds compared to, <laughs> to this versus that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I dragged him into it. It was just one of those. At one point, we were looking for another guitarist. Back when we had our old guitarist, we wanted two. Now we're down to just the one again, and it's Hunter. But <laughs> not looking for another guitarist at the moment. But we were at the time, and I'm like, I know a guy who plays guitar. I had, uh, Granted, I had never heard Hunter play guitar. I don't think I'd ever heard him play guitar at that point. I don't and know so why I'm you like, thought of me then. <laughs> I know. Must have been God being like, this is your guitarist, this guy right here. Yeah. yeah. Remember that one him? guy you met like five years ago? Yeah. Yeah, man. right. But uh, I just reached out to him. I'm like, hey, you know, would this be something you're interested in? And originally he's like, eh, probably not. You know, feel free to use me as like a reference or if you want to send some tracks for, you know, feedback and stuff, go ahead. And then somewhere within the next month after that, it was like, well, Hunter's our new guitarist. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are almost two years later. All right. uh, So for Buried Above, are you... Is the hope eventually to build a band again, or is it is it a one-man project all the way? So that could go either way, really. My wife and I are in the process of saving up enough money to effectively move to the Nashville area, and that's where I would want to build a lineup, because I wouldn't want to ask anybody to sign on if they didn't want to move states. Sure. Because I, I know that it was expensive enough for me to fly out to tennessee to just record stuff i'm not going to fly people out for tours unless they really want to do it that way yeah no and the the scene there is a lot better as far as finding musicians especially people who take their craft seriously Mm -hmm. uh one of my friends that i was in a a worship band for a while and i'm talking like outside of church like we tried to put together an actual band that was worship focused Um, no no uh no, so his name is Josh. He actually uh, he went out to Visible Worship College. If you're familiar with that, it's in it's in the area, and uh, it's entirely focused on uh, building up musicians for playing in worship teams and you know worship bands uh, that tour and all that, or you know media and other things. But he ended up playing as drums for uh, Vertical Worship for a while, if you're familiar oh, okay. with them. that's a, It's a church-based band, but they uh, they tour as well. So he played drums for Vertical Worship for a while because he did that and got into the scene and all that fun stuff. But yeah, the the guy is nuts on the drums. Mm. Yeah, I played, I played drums for my church's worship team because that's the one that I can get away with the most without practicing. <laughs> I was going to ask, how... How did drum writing go for uh, for the Buried Above stuff, especially like on the song that we're focusing on for today, uh, already written? So I was like, man, is Colton actually playing the drums for that one? Because it was I, not super uh, intricate, but it's still really good. <laughs> I wish I could say that I was playing those, but no, I'm not. Oh, man. Did they get Joey West to do it at least? I Again, I would have loved that too, but the, <laughs> that's also not the case. That's okay. It, they sound... Like live drums. They are do. they live drums or are they programmed? They are programmed. They wow. do sound like live drums. I'm assuming they use some really nice 
uh, I don't know, not contact even. They probably use something like the get good drums or something because yeah i would so when i originally built the demo for that i used uh modern and massive but when josiah did it i believe he used superior drummer three okay yeah i mean plugins are well advanced past most things that we expect nowadays at least especially on a basic level so Mm -hmm. when you have somebody who actually does producing and, and mixing and mastering all that uh chances are if they're doing it as a service, especially that high up in the industry, they have stuff to pull from. <laughs> For sure. I kind of, I toy, I toy with that a little bit when I'm just building demos, I'll take just the regular velocities that are already in there and completely dialed in. And in my, in my DAW's case, logic has a humanized feature built into it where it will take some of the little instances of MIDI and just bump them off of the grid just very slightly and changes some of the velocities. So it's not 100% of the time hitting the exact same way. Yep. We, we definitely do our, our demos with, uh, actually I took samples specifically created my own drum kit virtually. And, uh, that's what we use for our, our examples to send to our drummer so that he can actually learn parts and play, you know, what, how he wants to do it. But uh, yeah, it, it sounds nothing nearly that good, and I know Logic has that built in. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we don't use Logic because, well, Mac. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we have Cubase, so I don't get the okay. humanized feature. I get to sit there and uh, change velocities and, and do that all on my own. I can shift things off if I really want, but uh, that gets to be a pain every once in a while. So. Well, the good thing is, though, that we don't have to do that much longer. We did finally just invest in getting everything we need to record live drums for this album. So Mm. our drummer is very excited because he actually gets to sit down and play his drum parts and stuff for this one. And I'm excited because I don't have to sit there and when he says, I want this fill, but like that Tom is like a 16th note off. I'm like, you do it then. (laughs) (laughs) If If you think you can program it better, you do it. No, it's drum fills are a pain, but uh, everything else is relatively straightforward. But no, that was, I'm surprised to hear that those weren't live drums. I honestly thought that they were. So I don't want to, I don't want to make commitments too early, but I would like for the next project that comes out to have real drums on it. So either you need to find somebody, which means either moving or just finding someone locally that will move with you. Or the other option is uh, Colton starts practicing drums every day. <laughs> so probably one of the first two. one a week already. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it it's its own beast. You can't you can't be like oh I'll just you know I'll just record drums, especially in in our style of music, because then it's it's just not gonna work with what you want, especially if what you're used to. Like myself, I play drums for worship bands as well because I'm the worship leader for my church, but. Yeah, it's it's not the same, not even close. So, yeah, I I we're all drummers here. Yeah, no, um, I've been in multiple bands before, Blue Fire Horizon, and every one of them was as the drummer. And I can tell you this: I would not be able to sit down and play our music as is right now. It's nope. maybe five years ago when I was actually practicing every day, and you know, all that. But I haven't sat sat down and practiced drums in years, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've played in on worship teams since then, but I didn't actually sit down and practice for those. I would say the the two week stint that I did down in Tennessee last time, 
I made sure when I built the demos that they were at least playable. <laughs> that yeah, is smart. That's good. I remember um, when we were uh, <laughs> recording our original EP uh, with our old guitarist. Uh, he programmed all the drums, and he's not a drummer. <laughs> it showed in the way he programmed all those. And when uh, Rock, our drummer, sat down, because even though he wasn't uh, able to record the live drums, we at least wanted him to have input in what the drums sounded like and everything. He, <laughs> We sat down, and Rock's like, I can't play that. I have two <laughs> hands and two feet. I can't play that. <laughs> yep. Physical limitations. When you start programming things like that, yeah, it, it gets nuts, especially like once you get into all the MIDI stuff. Like mm-hmm. programming pianos, half the times the program piano in a track is not playable because it's like all ten fingers. And like you're not going to be able to hit ten notes with all ten fingers. <laughs> it's not going to sound like a good chord. It's going to be a messed up chord. So, or the spacing is too far apart. Yeah, where you're playing like four and a half octaves with two hands. That's not yeah, not happening. Sorry, but uh, uh, so. Obviously, you write that for the demo tracks to, you know, give uh, Josiah and Andrew a, an idea of what you want for drums. How do the guitars go? Do you write that with them as well then? Yeah. As far as uh, recording at Dive Bomb with Andrew went, we used about, I would say, 90% to 100 of what I tracked originally for those. Like, we didn't use the takes that I used for the demo, but we used all of those ideas, and then we took the rest of it and decided what would sound better. Hmm. That sounds like they have a a pretty heavy part in actual, the actual production of all the songs, like not just, and I, I don't think a lot of people understand that, you know, obviously for us, it's a little different cause we're, we're used to that. I worked at a, a guitar, technically it was a guitar lesson place, but it was also a studio. So I got to help record groups as well. And, uh, when you're in there and someone plays something and you're like, that's not quite it. Like, how about we do this? Like a lot of musicians, especially the bedroom guitarists and all that, they don't really have those people. So, or they just don't understand that process. And obviously the fans don't even know sometimes that that's, that's a normal thing of the process, especially when you get into levels of Josiah and Andrew for production, you know? So that's cool to, to see that they're that, you know, not super heavily, not like, you know, this is our thing to, to mess around with, but uh, that they're really helpful in, in guiding that for you. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a quite a few instances where we were trying some sort of lead part at Andrew's place, and he would go, I'm kind of hearing it this way. Try playing it that way. So then I, I would play it that way, and we'd both agree that it sounded better. Mm. Yeah, one of the perks of having seasoned musicians who have been doing this forever, you know, being able to hear something and be like, that's not it. But if we tweak this tiny little bit, that's it. You know, we don't have those people. (laughs) (laughs) So everything just sounds like us for better or for worse, for worse, for sure. For worse. What you hear is what you get. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, if what you hear is on the album, that's what you're going to hear live. All that lack of talent that you hear when you listen to our music. It's still there live. That's that that's just us. Yeah. <laughs> so lyrically, you do you come into this with all the lyrics written or is that another thing that they they jump on with you? 
I would say as far as like the songwriting process goes, I did about 90% of it. And then the other 10% is some suggestions from them or small tweaks on what I wrote. Just kind of taking the ideas that I put out there and finding a better way to say it. Sure. And I would say that a producer should have the, well, you know, within reason uh, and obviously under agreement, uh, have up to, I'd say, 20 to 25 percent uh, liberty to really move stuff around, help with the, the songwriting but uh, once you start to get past that, that's when it's like, okay, whose project is this? So <laughs> I'm glad to hear that they they walk that line very well in a very helpful way. I would say that is like when they built the songs, like and I was doing all the recording parts of it. When they built the songs, it was very hands off, but in like the most managing way that they could. Nice. So what led you to Andrew and Josiah? Did you know them before working with them or was that a built a professional relationship and went from there kind of thing? So I met them twice before I actually started taking lessons from them. Or I guess I I met them once, but I saw them twice. And odd, funnily enough, it was Facebook that got me the connection for them. So I was just kind of scrolling through one day and uh, Disciple had a little promotion for Josiah doing his songwriting lessons. So I just hit him up on that. Hmm. Very interesting. Now Facebook is useless. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got what I needed. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the thing that reminded me to ask him on, I posted something and you commented on it and I was like, Oh man, I haven't even seen anything from him in forever. And my first message to you right after because that's what reminded me oh yeah we gotta have him on and so i messaged you like hey i saw your back on the cesspool that is facebook <laughs> cesspool is uh very generous yeah oh yeah i'm i'm on it every day very actively i i can affirm and confirm that this is very very much true but also not entirely encompassing so <laughs> So the song that we're playing at the end of the episode is already written. Um, why don't you talk about that song a little bit? What went behind the writing of it? What the song's about? All that kind of fun stuff. I would say when I started writing that song, I was going to, I was coming at it from the perspective that it was going to be the last song on the album. And I realize now that it would have been a mistake to do that. But when I wrote it, I was kind of in this sort of dark spot. I don't remember exactly what I was going through at the time, but I just kind of felt like I wasn't really living up to the person that I wanted to be. But I just kind of had this voice in the back of my head. It's like, I don't care that you're not the person you think you should be. I already knew how you were going to feel at any point in your life, and I still love you anyway. So in a sense, it's sort of like we do sort of write our own destinies, but at the end of the day, our stories are already written. Any favorite lines from the song? Any lyrics that really stand out to you that hit you harder? Or that, you know, there's always that one line that just feels you were really feeling this and this is the thing that's really important in the song to you. The one of the big ones for me is the I want to believe that your love runs deeper than I can see. And 
that is important to me because I'm a very physically oriented person. So I rely pretty heavily on what my senses can perceive and anything that's kind of outside of that, I have a hard time grasping. I think we struggle, I guess, just even as a church uh, in the Western culture to, to use the correct words to, you know, give sense to any of those things for anybody. I, I don't think it's even just those who perceive physically, because I'm definitely in the same boat with you on that one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but I, I enjoy concepts, and obviously ideas are, it's an, it's enjoyable in my mind to ponder ideas. So I enjoy the thought process behind things. But uh, when someone tells me that there is something that is immeasurably immeasurable, I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, I don't disagree with that because obviously it's biblical. Like I, I believe the Bible to be entirely true uh, with no fault. And so when that gets put in front of me, I have to then reconcile that in my my very uh, logically functioning brain that there's something that's way outside the realm of what I'm used to conceptualizing that I have to grasp in some sense in order to uh, really have this relationship beyond just, uh, I guess, the, uh, what's the word, ritualistic practice of uh, Christianity. Mm-hmm. So I have to understand that love is unfathomably great uh, from God and that his grace is uh, just overly abundant in so many ways that we could never, you know, run out of his grace in, in all of that. So yeah, as as a similar person, I definitely struggle with that. And I, I tend to come across as what I call reverent, what everybody else calls as emotionless. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. And it's unfortunate as a worship leader because I'm like, I am happy. I just look angry. That's all. But uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to really understand those concepts when it's something that's just not only an idea to begin with, but then massively more than anything we could imagine as humans. So mm-hmm. that's my theological <laughs> soapbox for the afternoon. So, yeah. <laughs> Drop there you go. Yeah. So I, I did notice too. Um, I already forgot her name from Fireflight. Uh, Don Michelle. Don Michelle. Yes. Was featured on this song. And I thought that, when I listen to them, I'm like, man, you know, some features, you know, anytime you have a feature, it's always cool, but some just like work really well, you mm-hmm. know, for the song and it just fits and flows perfect. And I thought that her being featured on this song was really good. So what gave you the idea to have her on? Was it someone that you had already had a relationship with? Not a... We get what you mean. <laughs> someone you already knew personally. You know, or was it just like a professional, like, I'd like to have this person on a song? So I would say that out of all of the vocal features that are on the album, Dawn is the only one that I wasn't able to connect with or like talk or reach out to personally. I reached out to her through Josiah because those two are pretty well connected. He worked on their album. Hmm. And that's actually how I got the idea to bring her on the song in the first place was just knowing that they had new music that they were working on. So I knew that she was still involved in music. 
And it just so happened that I was working with the same person that worked with them. So that was kind of my connection there. That's definitely a, a producer thing to, it's more of a label thing really to connect bands like that. But uh, yeah, within Christian music, I think it's a little different because it's not so like, how can we sell more by connecting band to band kind of thing? It's just more of like, hey, we got you know two artists that are connected through this person. Let's put them on stuff and, you know, get them featured on each other's stuff or, you know, however that works for And for your case, it was, uh, getting her on, on your music, obviously, because it's, it's less of a trade with, uh, I guess who Fireflight is. They've been around for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. They were around for a while and then they retired and, now and then they're came back. back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I thought I saw them at one point. I just can't remember when. But I, I I may be getting them confused with uh, when I saw a Skillet at Winter Jam and it was Super Chick. I thought Fireflight was there too, but I could be wrong. But that mm. was a decade ago. I don't even remember. <laughs> so, no, I I thought it was really cool. I I really like her voice as well. So it was it was a perfect fit. I mean, not even just that song, but like you two guys together on that song. It was very nice. I thought it was great. Like when I thought about putting her on the song versus how it actually sounded when her vocals were recorded, it just sounds way better than I thought it would. You know what song? I mean, we're talking about already written today, but I, I love Spoken. They were one of the first metalcore type bands that I listened to when I was first getting into heavier music. And so when I saw looked through like your album and everything on Spotify and I saw Is that who Matt, Matt okay, yeah, okay. I saw Matt, I'm like, I'm listening to this one first. Click on that <laughs> one. <laughs> Which yeah, I if I had the opportunity to do a song with Matt, I would jump at that instantly. <laughs> that I believe was also the first song that was tracked at Josiah's brand new studio. So at the time I was the best and worst person that he'd recorded in this new setup. <laughs> <laughs> nice did he get you a plaque for that or something he should have <laughs> it's not too late no. to make it's not yeah. too late to get on that yeah <laughs> it's never too late uh, is that a three days grace reference it's no. <laughs> I, I think he genuinely doesn't realize apparently not <laughs> Look at his shirt. He's wearing his own merch. <laughs> oh, I'm, I I see the microphone. Honestly, I'm terrible about reading through spaces, so I see the microphone. <laughs> I don't see words behind that. I mean, I still would have gotten that reference even if he wasn't wearing the shirt because I took the time to listen through his music. I'm a and loser. I, I already admitted I knew admitted that it. one before because that one he released as a single before he even released as the album, and I saw the, him post the music video on Facebook and stuff, and I remember you posting about having other musicians who didn't actually record the song, play the song for the music video for that, right? Something like that? Yeah, uh, the drummer, the guitarist, and the bass player are fill-in friends that I have from the Nashville area. See, I care. <laughs> <laughs> this... Ouch. Man, I'm getting wrecked today. I, I'm regretting working on our music today now. <laughs> I could have spent it listening to Colton's music, but no, I, I was selfish. I, I worked on my own stuff. So Well, yep. see, if you actually cared, you would have been listening to his music and known all this stuff beforehand because I didn't just listen to his music today. Today was this past couple of weeks was the first time I like sat through and purposefully like did nothing but listen through the album. Even though I had like 
I have a couple songs liked on Spotify and stuff that come up periodically and everything, but this was the first time I like sat down and like listened through the album to just for the purpose of listening through it. But I care enough to have actually listened to his music before. I'm not gonna lie, this would have been one of the good times to do it. And it's it's because there isn't like a ridiculous amount of stuff. There have been some bands that we have brought on that have like, I don't know, two, three albums, like 20, 30 songs. I'm like, I'm not listening to all of that. I don't have time for that. So Well, and the funny thing is too, that if one of us was going to sit and listen through all of your music, chances are he'd enjoy it more because like I said, I'm more of a, a yeah. deathcore kind of guy. Like mm-hmm. I definitely get down with some some of the harder rock stuff like Skill like Disciple and Random you, Hero. You know, that kind of stuff periodically, but it's more of a I'm in the mood for this today kind of thing. And that's more up his alley, you know, his style of music. Yeah. I was definitely the Breaking Benjamin Skillet, mm-hmm. Three Days Grace. Oh, shoot. I can't even think of the rest of the bands. Papa Roach. Papa Roach would probably be one of them. I guess I kind of enjoyed, uh, oh, shoot, what was the guy's name? He and Amy Lee dated for a while. I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) They did a duet song, and then they broke up. But anyway, so Evanescence and, like, surrounding bands. Mm. Those were a lot of the things that I listened to, the, the more symphonic but also hard rock. So I don't know. It you've definitely changed me, unfortunately. So now I do listen to deathcore. I've corrupted him. Yeah. Yes. But um, it's more yeah. fun at the end of the day. <laughs> yes. Yes, he understands. So anyway, I'll admit defeat. That's fine. <laughs> but I will never make this mistake again. <laughs> so and I will be immediately listening to every song that Colton ever has released, and I will be bothering him for every song he has yet to release. So that way I'm ahead of the game, not missing anything. Which, on that topic, we don't like pushing musicians to release new music and stuff because we understand everything that goes into it. Yeah. We've had people like, when are you releasing new music? Hurry when, up, we need you to release. When we can. You know, <laughs> yeah, when we can. Like, we announced our new album that we were working on it, I don't know, November something like that. End and of November, early December. We have so. people like, oh man, when's it going to be done? Like, we have full-time jobs. We have families. We have responsibilities. Like, not only that, but we need the money for it. We need to write everything for it. We need to record everything for it. Like, give us time. We, we wouldn't have announced that we were working on it so early, except that we were trying to do some crowdfunding and raise some money to get it produced and everything, because that's expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, but... Like, why are having... you guys asking so early? Are you, uh, are you willing to make a donation or something or <laughs> yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah right? you, you want the music you know where to find our GoFundMe. yeah right <laughs> but, <Send go. laughs> that being said is there anything uh new coming down the pipeline anything in the works that you want to share i'm not going to give away too much yet but i am working on some new music nice that's usually what people say and that's okay we like that response yeah that that at least <laughs> satiates those who are questioning and curious and listening to this uh to hear what you have to say so i'll i I'll, do i do kind of have the benefit of my first album coming out two months ago instead of two years ago so i can let people yes. chew on it for a little bit yeah, yeah. 
unless you're Chris Johnson from Hard Look, and then you release an album, and you're like, all right, time to write the next album immediately and release it like four months later. <laughs> this this last time, I'm pretty sure he was talking about releasing the album, and he made a, a status on his personal page that just said, writing lyrics for the next thing. And it wasn't even out yet. I'm like, okay. I, <laughs> all right. Good to know. Are you are you familiar with Chris and Hard Look? I don't believe so. It's it's another one man project. Um well, industrial but, uh, deathcore. Yeah, <laughs> it's industrial deathcore. So not in quite the same realm as what you do, but you know, it's another it's just Chris and he does everything himself. He does all the production, all the writing, all the recording, all the mixing and mastering and all of that. Woo. But uh yeah, he he'll literally in the last two years, he's released three, three albums, albums and, and an two EP. singles. Uh, yeah, something like that. But the dude's just a machine. Like, yep. no, that, I'm not as a grind if I ever heard of it. Yeah, I mean, he'll. <laughs> Hunter was saying like he had announced that his new album was being released, you know, but it hadn't been released yet, and he's like posting on Facebook before that album is even released. Writing out music for the next album, yeah. guys. Like, Jeez. dude, just stop. <laughs> Calm down. I gotta get in a different mindset to be doing that. I can't. I can't be like end of album and writing something new. My goodness. I tell I, you what. I haven't quite gotten to the point where I have a ton of songs that didn't make the cut. I would say I probably put every idea onto that album that I had thought of, but. Mm. Like in the process of being in Tennessee and just kind of being in the moment, I did have a couple of ideas for snippets that I've put a little bit more work into. Nice. Yeah, I know for us, it's uh, when an idea comes, we just kind of, well, he'll either write like the lyrics out in his phone or something. Or for me, like I have 60 different files of Cubase instances that I, I could pull up that have, you know, a verse or, you know, a chorus of guitar or a, a breakdown or something. And eventually I'll pull from them or make them a song. But, uh, yeah, that's part of the process that really helps you. Cause you bring all your ideas and Josiah and Andrew can be like, okay, let's focus here, here, and here rather than like us where we're like, well, we have like 60 song ideas. Which ones do we actually want to do? <laughs> yeah. This, this right here, you can't really see, but scrolling, 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 Still scrolling. Yeah. Still scrolling. These are all the songs that I have at least partially written up. There's the end. Yeah. So I have. How many of those say untitled document? Uh, Let's see. (laughs) One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All of them? Uh, That's a lot. Eight, nine, ten. (laughs) Ten of them. There's probably 40 songs in there. Uh. I mean, all of our current stuff, that's just my lyrics folder, so all of our current stuff is in there, too. But, yeah, at least half of the stuff in there we haven't even, like, touched. So, I'm but, willing to bet that in my Google Docs library there's at least 50 untitled documents that, if anything, have nothing in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, have, I have a handful of notes in there that are literally, like, one or two lines because I'm like, oh, that's a good hook for a song, you know? And then that's it. <laughs> you got to write it down and you have to record it in your phone. Cause if you have it written down, but you forget how it went, it's useless. Yep. <laughs> that literally just happened to him. 
<laughs> he he messages me, I have an idea for a brand new song, one that we weren't planning for. And uh, out of nowhere, he's like, yeah, it all just came to me in like 20 minutes. And he had sent me the lyrics and everything. And I'm like, man, this sounds great. And he says, yeah, I got to get home and record it right away. And he gets home and he's like, I only remembered part of it. <laughs> the the good thing is that the chorus, which is, you know, the hook of the song and all that, that I remembered the melody for, at least for the most part and stuff. So it's just the, the verses and everything else that I didn't remember. But Which is 80% of the song. <laughs> so. it's, and it's also the 80% that most people don't remember. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah that's fair. case in point yeah or you could just be like me and not listen to anybody's music and <laughs> <laughs> don't worry colton i will never let him forget it he won't he's not kidding i mean most people break promises that's a promise that you i mean that's a threat from him <laughs> See, Hunter is the 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 one we all pick on anyway so this is just giving me more ammo it's great like I said, I will never make this mistake again. <laughs> so, uh, with uh, obviously, you don't want to give anything away moving forward. But is there anybody that you would like to work with in uh, in upcoming features or anything? Obviously, not song specific, but just people that you'd be interested in in bringing on from in music you've enjoyed or you know connections you could make. I would say that. I wanted to have Kevin Young on my last record, but it just, I'd never really, I didn't pick a song that he would have gone on. So I still have that option. Nice. I, you know, of all the people that I was expecting him to say, I don't know why I did not expect <laughs> Kevin. Like <laughs> the most obvious choice. I know. Maybe that's why it's like, it's right in front of my face and I just didn't see it. That's all right. No, I mean, that would be, that'd be interesting. I think, because he has a very nasally tone to him. I think it would be a nice contrast to what you have. Because I don't know if I'd quite call it uh, like Memphis Mayfire kind of sound. But it's it's definitely along those lines. It's the higher, the male singing style. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Kevin also does that. But his tone is just different. So I think he, it would work well. He also does not mean nasally as an insult. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's just more of like how you sing. It's just what it is. And he, Kevin's been doing it forever. It's just his style. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't expect him to start singing like Elvis tomorrow or something stupid like that. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I was just curious to, to see because obviously with having so many features i would i guess i would expect that on upcoming stuff as well not that you necessarily have to do that cuz you could definitely start doing you know all of your own stuff with mm -hmm. uh, the way that the the self-titled sounded i think it would work great but uh yeah i guess just following pattern i would expect at least one fe one feature on the the following project i would love to have a couple there's a few that i've been thinking about and one of the one of them not like necessarily a vocal feature, but I would love to have a like guest drummer on there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, I know one person specifically, um, Lori Peters, not mm -hmm. Peters anymore. Uh, uh, George. George. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, we are 
close friends with uh, the band DAV, if you've ever heard of yes. them. There. Mm-hmm. Yep. She did at least one song on their last album. I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was more. So I know at least one drummer out there that does, you know, <laughs> features and stuff. No, that would be awesome because, again, I really enjoyed Skillet around that time. So, and she's just remember. a really cool person altogether. Did she leave after their? Uh, it was not. It's not a worship album, but they had worship songs on it, like covers. Was that the album that she left after? It was like she left right after Comatose because Jen took her place on the Comatose tour. Mm-hmm. Was that early two thousands? That was Comatose was two thousand six. Don't okay. don't quiz me on my old I'm, school skillet. I'm, I'm just asking. <laughs> it's been a while. Like I I actually went through all of Skillet's discography and I I looked at stuff because I was putting together a spreadsheet for something that I've never been able to actually create. But uh, I got all the information. I just it's been a while. And obviously, when you're looking up the Wikipedia, it's has the information, but you never know how trustworthy all that stuff is. Right. But, it's like, oh, here's the Wikipedia. You mean the one that everyone can edit? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like it's it's more reliable because everyone can edit it, so everyone keeps it in check, but at the same time, everyone can edit it. How do you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, I specifically remember that because the first skillet album I was ever I ever had was their Comatose Comes Alive CD, which was two thousand seven, which was a live mm-hmm. and mastered uh, recording of their show in Chattanooga, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and Jen was. What was the address of the venue? <laughs> I, I just remember that specifically because right at the beginning of the the album, John just yells out, "What's up, Chattanooga?" And so I always remember that. But uh, uh, yeah, and Jen was playing in that show and mm-hmm. stuff. So I that's the only reason I very vividly remember that. That's when she left because I know it's her in the recordings for Comatose, but she clearly didn't go on tour mm-hmm. for that album. You know, that would be cool to see Lori on on some Buried Above stuff. But, I definitely uh, would have to write it with an actual drummer in mind. <laughs> that's true because styles are are very different between people. I mean, I guess I'm sure Lori could play anything that you threw at her anyway, but. Uh, you know, you want you want her feeling, or you know, whoever really, whatever drummer you get, you want their feeling of whatever you wrote to be in it as well. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, what we write the drums for the Blue Fire Horizon stuff for the most part. So yep. when Hunter and I, we we discovered a long time ago, we tried to sit down and like all four of us have input in writing all the stuff, like, and it just didn't work. <laughs> when you get too many hands in there trying to make it work, it just doesn't and everything becomes jumbled so hunter and i write basically everything and when we write it we program some drums like this is the general feel and sound we're going for with this song and then we give it to rock and go change what you want to change play it how you want to play it we program these drums so you kind of know the feel that we're going for you know so something like that you know simple program drums and be like here take it and make it your own this is just kind of what i'm thinking i this actually kind of reminds me of a, um, it's a Patreon thing, but there was a segment that Andrew was talking about because they do a similar, they do a similar process for disciple writing. It's like they'll build the demos at home, so they program all the drums themselves, and then when they brought the drum 
tracks with the demos to Joey, he would go, I can't play that. And they'd be like, <laughs> see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, to be fair, with both of us being drummers, it at least that helps because we understand the human limitations. And, you know, we go to program 36th note or 32nd note. I'm, I'm an idiot. 32nd note kick patterns. And we realize, yeah, that sounds cool, but uh, realistically, not going to happen. So, what do we actually want it to be? So, we change it. When Keegan was writing <laughs> the EP, he was doing 64th note kicks. <laughs> Like and stuff, yeah. and I told him at the time, I'm like, dude, and no drummer is gonna be able to play that. And then Rock came along, he's like, I can't play that. And Keegan fought and fought. He's like, I really want it to sound like this because it sounds so cool. Like, yeah, it sounds cool. I don't care. No one's playing that. Yeah. That's that's triggers on a drum head kind of level playing style. Yeah, that's not not us. Definitely not. There, I doubt that there would be any form of way to even program that, but I think it'd be funny to have some sort of software that if the drum pattern is impossible, it just wouldn't let you play it. You know, that would be nice because I, I know, I don't know how you end up writing, especially like melodies and stuff, but uh, I I use MuseScore. It's just a free software off, you know, off the internet mm-hmm. or whatever. I know Logic has the built-in like sheet music you guys can use. Uh, Cubase is not that nice to us, but... Uh, so I use MuseScore every once in a while, especially for arrangements of things, not even our music. But uh, it has like this thing where if you pick a note that an instrument can't play or within reason a voice can't sing, mm-hmm. it'll make it red instead of black. Yep. So that I way you're, that. yeah, you're like, okay, well, not that it can't do it, but it's less than reasonable or just sometimes impossible depending on how far out of a range it is. But yeah, it would be nice if uh, if the drum, you know, easy drummer or superior drummer or whatever else would just be like. Uh, red note because nope that's not happening you already have like six things going on the thing that i thought was funny about MuseScore, score i'm glad that somebody else has actually used that because <laughs> that since, was since 2.0 yeah i've uh, been using it for a long time the first five songs that i put demos for on buried above were actually on MuseScore before i got logic nice but when i was doing that there was a couple of instances where i would program some like rhythm guitars in just so i would have an idea set up and since muse score is only used to e standard tuning whenever i would change the notes they'd be like no we can't play any of those like it's dropped <laughs> in it <as> you can <laughs> oh yeah i uh i did it and i created a template for muse score so that way i could create the tabs for our stuff because we use both drop tune six strings and we do Technically, it's a drop-tuned eight-string as well. We go Ooh. from standard eight-string down to drop E, so it's bass note E. Um, so I, I created a template for that, and everything that's below E standard, it's it's red, and the tablature is red. But when you print it out, it's, it's fine because it's just obviously trying to alert you on the screen. But, yeah, it was really funny to see all that, <laughs> where it's like, well, this entire section is technically unplayable according to the software. So... <laughs> So what tuning do you do you use for Buried Above, or does it vary between songs? I would say as far as a as far as like a live performance goes, this album was a terrible one to do because there's like five different tunings on it and there's only ten songs. <laughs> oh wow. But yeah, that's I mean that's a nightmare for someone like us. But for uh Josiah and Andrew who have like six guitars, you know, stage side six <laughs> guitars and a drop pedal makes the yeah. job a lot easier. 
There you go. But I would say it's going to dominantly be drop C and drop A. Wow. Okay. I was not expecting that low, but drop that's... A on a six string. Uh, yeah, like a baritone guitar. All right. Very nice. I didn't. I. I guess I didn't expect that from more of the uh, the hard rock side of stuff. But I mean, it's honestly the drop tunings are becoming super popular. Just odd tunings in general, like standard tuning is not the thing anymore. What is that? That's not even standard anymore. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess you can't call it standard. I mean, it's just, you know, the standard intervals between notes for a, a tuning of a guitar, but the drop tuning and even alternate tunings have really taken, <laughs> taken a foothold in a lot of music, not even just heavy music. The bar chords are just a lot easier when you can just put your whole finger over the fret and not worry about it. <laughs> yep. That and I think the shapes generally are a lot kinder in how you want to, especially for riff writing, mm-hmm. you can actually do something that's outside of, I don't know, like you when you go to uh, pull off of any chord or anything and you have that open note, it's usually within, you know, within reason, depending on your key, something mm-hmm. that makes sense with whatever you're still playing or, you know, if you're trying to do hammer-ons and pull-offs moving up the neck the resonance isn't like fighting you because you're not in fourths and fifths, you're in octaves and fifths. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's drop tunings are nice. I will never steer away from them again, except for, for CCM. And even then I've brought my eight string before. <laughs> yeah. It's funny watching him play a uh, eight string guitar leading worship at his church. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. Me. I've waited. Nobody's said anything. At my previous church, someone was like, what's wrong with your guitar? But at, at my current church, nobody said anything. And I don't know if they're just scared to ask. <laughs> but I don't know. It's a, it's a fan fret, too. So it's it's definitely mm. something where they'd be like, I don't like that. But I don't know why I don't like that. Something's <laughs> wrong. So well, that's okay. No, it's... So between A and C, do you have a favorite in in what you like playing as a guitar player? Doesn't really matter because they both drop. I would say as somebody who has put off practicing for way longer than they should have, that the <laughs> baritone guitar is a little bit harder to play. Just because of the scale length, or it, well, the scale length is probably about the same on my two guitars, but the strings are a lot thicker. Yep. So it beats up the fingers a lot more. But the Epiphone that's right behind me here is my drop C guitar. Very nice. Is that just everything standard uh, equipment and all that? You didn't change out pickups or anything like that? I got this one used from a friend of mine. I believe the two humbuckers in it are aftermarket, but everything else is still stock, I believe. Hmm. And I'm assuming that that's not the one that you use specifically to record. I, I'm guessing that Josiah and Andrew had guitars provided for that. I I definitely used theirs. Yes, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was cooler because I actually the last concert that my mom and I went to over in um, Spokane, I was pointing at little things on the stage like I played that, I played that, I played that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. Um, we uh, went to. Uh, disciple show in Madison here in Wisconsin, which if you didn't know, we, we live in Wisconsin. Hi, we're you know, two time zones away from you. Um, oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, we live out in the middle of Hicksville, Wisconsin. No, <laughs> that's not what it's called, but it's pretty close. Um, but we went down to Madison to see disciple play back in October mm. and, um, background of our band, uh, the very first show we played, 
uh, we were brought into a venue that had never played heavy music before. They they do a lot of like worship nights and stuff like that, that kind of stuff. And mm. they had Disciple coming later that year, and they were like, "Uh, we need a guinea pig." <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, "Can you come play a show?" promote disciple can you learn some disciple cover songs and stuff so we we did like four or five disciple covers and mm-hmm. i guess it was four four of them uh scars remain dead militia unstoppable i can't one more yeah it's been a while <laughs> yeah those okay. are all fun songs but yeah. it was great, like being at the show. They played all of the songs that we covered, and every time I'm like, <laughs> I sang that song. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And I, I'm watching uh, Josiah play it, and I'm just like, "Yep, definitely didn't play it like that. Nope, <laughs> that wasn't it. Oh, that was that note. Okay, good to know. Like, <laughs> whoops. It was funny after that show, right before Kevin was walking off stage, I had brought a Blue Fire Horizon T-shirt. With us extra, I'm like, I just screamed out, Kevin, and held it up. And he grabbed it. He's like, oh, thanks, man. And he walked up the stage, and you could see him, like, hold it up. Like, what on earth did this guy just give me? (laughs) Oh, that's funny. At the last show that my mom and I went to, this was kind of a, this was the second time that I'd seen Kevin after, like, he knew that I was doing music. And pretty much everybody there was, like, kind of starting to recognize me. It was kind of it was interesting, but my mom thought it was really cool. So mm-hmm. Kevin was getting off of the bus, and I just kind of did like a little casual wave. And he goes, oh, hey, Colton. Nice. <laughs> and then he came over and gave me a hug. It was awesome. Nice. He will and never my remember my like, name, that but that's okay. Happened. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool when you start to get noticed. Unfortunately, <laughs> we had the opportunity, but I blame Marco for this one. So I'm assuming you know Marco or at least have – met him maybe once yeah uh, so we got to meet him and obviously brian and uh chopper at life fest when we played this last year mm-hmm. and that's uh, a music festival up here in wisconsin yeah. if you didn't know <laughs> yep so they were up here and i mean granted marco is marco so whatever but <laughs> he's very stoic just gets the job done i mean he's a professional musician so good oh, for yeah. him but uh he he was definitely high energy like super interactive but we're seeing him up there, and like even with the lights up, I'm like looking at him, like he probably doesn't recognize me at all, but I know who he is, and so it's cool even on our side to start recognizing people specifically by name rather than just the like the fan of you know I mean like we all knew many of the members of Disciple and all that just because they've been Disciple for was it has it been thirty years now I don't even know since so, the uh, 90s I think ninety two so yeah thirty. So, yeah. So anyway, so like you, you know, those names, but then like, once you start to recognize the other people or like, you know, if we were to play at a festival and then like, Hey, Colton's here, we should probably go say hi to him or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting once you really start to get into it. Cause you start to realize, yeah, there's a degree of separation, but everybody's just kind of, you know, everybody's a dude. Like there's nothing, <laughs> nothing super special except that they play music and have been doing it as a career. So I do like to True. think that after that show, you know, Kevin got on the bus. He's like, oh, some dude gave me this T-shirt, and he holds it up, and Marco goes, hey, I met those dudes. They were absolute losers, you yep. know. <laughs> that's the hope. If you don't oh, remember great. us by uh, by our music, you'll remember us just by how much of a loser we are. <laughs> no, so I wanted to ask you, and because we usually, 
I guess, get on some type of theological discussion, but I wanted to ask more uh, for a personal thing. Uh, from your point of view, like what, I guess, what's been the most transformative thing for your faith in the last, I don't know, if you've been a believer for a decade or as long as you've been a believer, uh, what's been the most transformative thing in that that has influenced your music? Uh, the biggest thing for me that I've kind of noticed, it's not like a set in stone philosophy, but just something that I've noticed as far as like putting the music stuff together was that if this was something that I was supposed to be doing, it's not necessarily going to be effortless, but it is going to be easy to a degree. Mm. Like when I was first starting to figure out how to book a trip to go to Tennessee. I'd never done anything like that before. I'd never been on a plane or anything, but it, the whole process was just super easy. I book the flight, I show up, I get on the plane, I go, it's easy. But yeah, I think that's just easy altogether anyway. That, uh, I think that reminds me of, uh, a specific scripture. I can't remember exactly the passage. I'm terrible about this. I remember the, the actual scripture, but I never remember where it is. Mm. Um, but it's the uh, uh, man, uh, man plan, or what is it? In the hearts of man, uh, plans are made, but the Lord establishes their steps. Mm. So it's. I think that's generally the idea that that what you're going for there in uh, you know how things have played out, and I, I would say that we feel the same uh, in Blue Fire Horizon, and especially as we've. Uh, focused on the Lord. That's been the biggest thing that's, I, I think, guided us, and it should be. And, you know, I'm not saying that you should seek outward guidance in that. And pragmatism always has its place, but uh, in as far as ministry goes, you're going to want to focus on God above all things. Mm -hmm. So as we've drawn closer to that, and as we've focused on God not and the ministry rather than, you know, how can we just have better music? How can we make better connections? How can we you know, do this or that to improve ourselves rather than thinking about that. When we focus on the souls that we're supposed to impact coming through all this, that's when God starts to do things and he starts to bring opportunities and he pulls people in that we're not expecting, you know, out of nowhere, connecting with people and starting a podcast and doing all this fun stuff. It's not something that we came into Blue Fire Horizon saying, yes, we're going to start the podcast in order to, uh, network. It's not, you know, it's not a, a network motivational thing, though it creates fellowship, which has been phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, as we, as we have drawn close to God in these things, he's definitely established the steps of Blue Fire Horizon. And I, I believe that it would be equally the same for any other band that has the same calling. Mm -hmm. So uh, in that, have you faced anything, obviously, other than Oh, the pandemic, which isn't obvious for all of us. Uh, the, have you... It's been a very long two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's uh... the hardest part about 15 days to slow the spread is that first two years, man. Like once you get past that. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're a month away from a month and a few days away from two full two years. But mm -hmm. anyway, on a positive note, uh, <laughs> That's not really a positive note, but uh, have there been other things that when you've really drawn close to God, trying to, uh, you know, not trying to further your ministry by doing that, but, you know, doing that so that your ministry would be on the right path, uh, that you've seen things come up either 
you know, like trials or other temptations or anything, not trying to, you know, not trying to get you to spill everything that's going on in the life of Colton Reed or anything, but, uh, you know, just things, have you faced stuff that when you, you draw close that you're just like, man, why am I, you know, why is this now happening? Why is this now happening kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. There is, I would say something that happens quite a bit and I, I don't want to discourage anybody from pressing into, into God because of something that I, that I say, but when I've noticed that if I press into God and I'm really focusing on it, like sometimes bad things tend to happen more frequently, but it's easier to manage because hmm. I'm not, I'm not necessarily like avoiding certain things from happening, but I'm also not pursuing them either. It's just something that I notice more often when I'm actually just kind of focusing on that. I mean, it, I think we need to be honest with people in that it's, it's not like a, well, you should be a Christian. And, you know, if they ask, well, you know, are, are bad things going to happen? You're like, no, 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 you'll be fine. Like everything will be great. And I like, no, that's, uh, we don't no. teach the prosperity gospel. Yeah. Around well, here. what was it? John, was it John 15 that I'm thinking of that, uh, where he says, um, if the world hates you, know first that it hated me. I think that's John 15. It's in John. Again, terrible with exact passages, but I I know which book it's in at the very least. Um, so stuff like that, it's to be expected, and you know you don't want to. Well, a bad business pitch is telling people the truth of Christianity. I'm not going to be you know not going to lie there. It really is a bad business pitch, but that's okay because Christianity is not a business. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, you're not going to win people over by being like, nope, the world's going to hate you. Like, well, are we going to at least get stuff? Yes, temptation and trial. Uh, okay, well, what do I get out of this? Nothing right now. <laughs> if someone if, if someone wants to listen to our music and learn what Christianity is about, don't listen to Made to Suffer. That song is, if Colton doesn't know it, that song is literally about how we as Christians are going to be mocked, hated, spat on by the world, and yeah. we were made for this purpose, to this calling, and mm-hmm. yeah, we were made to suffer. Like that's just how it is. <laughs> yep. Part of the human experience. Yes, absolutely. So, I don't. I don't want to, you know, go back into the origin stories of your faith. But uh, was there like a, a guiding thing early on? Were were your parents very heavily Christian, or was it uh, more as you grew up, you you came to faith? Well, my parents weren't. They were kind of just like not not against it, but not really interactive with it like i would say they were people that believed in god but weren't really christians i would say but my grandparents definitely were so when i was about four that's when they started taking me to church and i was involved in a awana group up until about sixth grade and then seventh and eighth grade i wasn't involved in anything really church related and then ninth grade i went back to church and i've been i've been rededicated since then so with your parents, I don't know, I'm not trying to get into personal stuff. Has that changed at all or has that been pretty consistent even as you've grown up? Uh, it's a it's about consistent. Like they they pursue a little bit more in their own personal ways, but it's still ultimately up to them. It's a, a unique situation. I know we had a Cody Watkins on of Context and he's he had a very similar thing that uh, – his and uh, his brother, um, they their parents were not uh, Christians growing up. So, and it's very odd to find that. I guess 
because for both of us, our parents have been and still are Christians mm. our, our entire lives. Um, so in a unique experience from that, is there any way that you specifically seek to uh, guide them? Does your music help? I don't know if they listen to that specifically, or is it through conversations and other things that you get the chance to talk to them? I wouldn't say the music itself is what I think really is what kind of shows them like the type of ministry that I have. I would say it's more just how I carry myself as a person. Hmm. Do you, do you have any struggles with that in, I guess, the relationship side in, you know, seeing your parents less than, uh, passionate about it, or at least compared to, to what you're expecting based on the fact that you have a ministry? Uh, not really. Like, uh, not, not really. All right. I mean, that's fair. I, I don't know for each person, obviously it's very different, but, uh, even for me, I know my parents, they actually listen to this surprisingly enough. I don't know why. Mine do too, which, yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah. I don't know why, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been very interesting, uh, especially having parents that grew up in the church. And not that I think my knowledge has surpassed them in any way, you know, concerning that, because obviously they've been in the church forever. But uh, in certain areas, it, it definitely feels that way. So it's odd to be teaching my parents in, you know, in certain regards. Uh, and that's that's just from my side, having parents who grew up in the church. So I'm sure with the interactions that you have, obviously that's one of the biggest ways that we do this. Uh, cause you're not going to have the time to every time you see your parents like, Oh, Hey, let me tell you what I just read in like James or Romans or, you know, you're not going to sit there and just start preaching at them or anything weird like that. But obviously the interaction is going to be the main thing because that's, that's how they're going to be like, you know, Colton's really, you know, he's really mature in this. He, you know, he's really taking this on, uh, head on, even though it's, you know, a struggle or he's doing this or another thing. And I, I hope that they see that, and I hope that a lot of people see that from you and everybody else in the in the scene that uh, focus on carrying themselves well and not, uh, obviously we all fall, but you know what I mean, not uh, not falling to some of the biggest things that will really take down an entire ministry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. No, I, I wouldn't say like specifically my parents were the only thing that were like that, but I would say a large amount of the type of person that I am was developed over quite a long period of time by, I, I call it learning by negative example, where instead of like seeing something that is positive and wanting to reflect that is seeing something negative and wanting to be the opposite of that. That's very fair. Definitely won't dig any deeper on that one. So <laughs> I, I totally understand. Give me some examples yeah. of these bad behaviors. <laughs> yeah, because <that laughs> yeah, we totally want people to hear what's not supposed to be doing. No, but no, but I something I thought of because Hunter was saying, oh, yeah, my parents listen to the podcast and mine do, too. I think it's funny that uh, I was talking to my mom about it one time and her resp- her she was saying oh, what she likes about listening to the podcast and it wasn't, Oh, you're so passionate about this or like, I like hearing you talk about scripture or I like, you know, hearing you talk about music. It's man, Hunter's really into it about his theology. And I love how passionate <laughs> he is about it and stuff. I'm like, thanks mom. Yeah. I don't know. My parents never mention you, so that's fine. <laughs> that's fair enough. 
No news is good news. <laughs> that's that's also true. Yeah, they they don't really ask a whole lot, but uh, yeah, it's interesting to see who who really listens. But uh, no, I I love you, mom. That I'm not trying to make fun of you or anything, because um, I know you're gonna listen to this eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least somebody likes me, or at least is interested by me. <laughs> well. Uh, did you have any uh, a closing stuff either about the uh, the self titled or anything else that you have going on that you wanted to make mention of? Uh, not specifically. No. If uh, fans want to reach out to you, get in touch with you via social media, listen to your music, all that kind of stuff, where can they find you? Link. You can you can find Buried Above on Facebook. If you can find us anywhere else, that would be better. On Instagram or Spotify <laughs> are the two big ones. Apple Music, it's there as well. Do you have yeah. a website? Yes, we do. Buriedabove.com. Simple enough. And Hunter always I puts... Like links and stuff in the uh i do the show notes and everything but it's always good you know it's always good to hear it from you because then people know okay instagram not facebook but you know you can yep. otherwise you know it's the best way to reach you and get that's what they can find out from hearing that <laughs> i would say i'm i have made facebook the dominant one but i'm trying to get away from facebook as easily as i can so go follow me on instagram instead that's where i want to be instead <laughs> yep. We're we're building both right now and our our Facebook is much more followed than our Instagram, but at the same time both are gaining uh followers just like crazy right now just because we're actually intentionally posting on it, which is interesting. But uh yeah, Instagram is its own thing. Facebook despite being owned by the same company, Instagram is actually worth being on whereas Facebook is questionable at best. So Facebook's always been the site for old people. You know, I'm regretting. Tom never did anything to us. Why did we leave MySpace? Tom never did us wrong at all. We should have stayed. It would have been the better option. I don't know if you guys even had MySpaces. I was old nope. enough to have a MySpace. I nope. gra- I grabbed one just on like the edge, right as it was like going away. But I was also in sixth grade. I I'm pretty sure I was in seventh or eighth when I got got my MySpace. Something like that. I don't know, but profile songs, come on, come on, <laughs> Facebook, it's been a how many, 10, 15 years, come on, Facebook, get on it. And Tom you never can... canceled anybody. Yeah, Tom never canceled anybody. We didn't have to worry about meta coming from Tom, so I I don't know. Anyway. We could rant about yeah. social media forever. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, Colton. Um, we're going to play yes. uh, the song Already Written. Already written. All, All right, right, thanks for having me on. Enjoy the song. Yeah, God bless, dude. You can help support us by heading over to anchor.fm forward slash TWIE pod and clicking on the donate button where you can select one of a few monthly donation rates of $1, $5, or $10. All money helps keep this podcast up and running, as well as supports lesser known Christian artists. Thank you for listening, and God bless.